Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I've said this in the last couple of weeks, that, that prosperity is a progressive thing. And part of our prosperity is learning how to manage what we have, being good stewards of what God has given us. So last week, um, does anybody have any questions for all the sheets that you got last week? Did you go home and use them? Nobody's admitting to anything. Raise your hand if you went home and used the sheets. All right, that's pretty good. Did you find anything out that you needed to know? I mean, did you find it? Maybe some of you just it kind of confirmed that you're on the right track. And for, for some of us, did we find out that we, we had some more information suddenly made available? Anybody? Yes, all right. Um, any questions on any of those things? Anybody? Diane? Uh-huh. I probably would put that under miscellaneous. Probably so. Uh, Diane asked me if under groceries on the part of our stuff last week on that percentage. If you were not here last week or the last two weeks, I've got the sheet that I gave out the first week here and this, the packet of all the sheets that we gave out last week are also up here. So if you need to get those, you can do that after the service tonight. They'll be up here. But on one of them, we had a percentage uh, down here that said food, and there was a lot of 12% of your net income after tithe and taxes given toward uh, food. She was asking, would you include household cleaning supplies and and toiletry items in there. And I would probably put that under miscellaneous. The grocery store, unless you're at Super Walmart, is the worst place to buy that kind of stuff. I mean, if you're in an emergency situation, you know, or if you need one thing, you don't want to drive all the way to Gainesville, obviously buy it there. But in the budget, I probably would stick that under miscellaneous. Anybody else? Questions? I must have done a really good job. That's all I can say. What? What? Okay. We're going to talk about that. We are going to, we are going to revisit that topic here in just a second here. Um, it came up at the end last week because this is, you know, a, a man, money management uh, style that, uh, you know, I've taken off from Larry Burkett's organization. I mean, they, they want to start you off with tithing, okay? That's, that's your basic kind of stuff. And in that percentages and all, there was not a place for offerings. Now, as Doug pointed out last week, you know, Malachi says, you know, we've robbed God. Well, where have we robbed God? In tithes and in offerings. When you're giving God the tithe, you're really not giving him anything except what already belongs to him. So you haven't given him anything that belongs to you. You know, so tithing is something we do because, number, actually, 100% of it belongs to God if you really want to be serious about it. But he said to, to set aside that 10%, that belongs to him, to bring it back to him. You know, and, and I liken it back to going back to the Garden of Eden. And really in the Garden of Eden, I think, you know, the very fact that God set aside that one tree that says, he says, that's mine, don't touch it. It's kind of like tithing. 
You know, when you take your income and you take that 10%, that's really God's. He's already said, that's what you need to give back to him. Don't touch it. Too often, people take the tithe and they wait till after all the bills are paid. They wait till after they've figured out everything else they need to do with it. And then what's left, you know, if, if they got 10% left, fine. If not, you know, we're tithing on the light side this week. You know, they're you know, on a tithe diet or something. But, you know, this is not the church of the, of the 6% tithe. This is the church of the 10% tithe. That's what tithe is, is 10%. But that's God's. And, you know, in the Garden of Eden, people, you know, might go back and they might say, well, why did God put, you know, some, something there that he didn't want them to touch? Well, God created man with free will, you know, and he always, always, always will allow you to make some decisions here about whether you're going to obey him or not. He put that there, and that was, that was Adam and Eve's free choice whether to obey him in that or not. Tithing is something that we choose to obey God or not obey God in. Amen. Now, to me, tithing is just an indication of how much we trust God. I can tell you that over the 30-something years we've been married, the few two or three years that we were out of fellowship with the Lord and we did not tithe, our money never went far enough to meet the basic bills. Never. We were always borrowing on the next week because I would go to my mom and say, Mama, can you loan me five bucks? Back in those days, five bucks was a lot of money. You know, ten bucks was a fortune. And, uh, and so I would say, Mom, can I borrow 10 bucks till next week, till the next paycheck? You know, the next paycheck, I'm giving it back to her, then saying, can I borrow this again? You know, we just it never had, there was never enough to go around. But when we finally got back to a place where we went back to what we knew to do, which was tithing, we'd been brought up knowing that tithing was something we needed to do. We got back to that, suddenly we were paying all the same bills. And yet there was enough to meet our obligations without me having to go say, Mama, can I borrow five bucks? You know, and I don't know how that works. You know, I cannot figure out God's economy. But it works. Now, how many of you can testify that it honestly, you do more with what you've got now than what you had before you began to tithe? It's the honest to goodness truth. At the end of a year, when you stop and you look back and you look at all the things that you've paid out over that year and what you had come in, you will most of the time be extremely amazed at how did that happen. And when you don't tithe, it's just like holes in your pockets. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, you know, it talks about holes in your pockets. That it just kind of comes, it just kind of goes. Whatever you have just gets lost. So tithing is, is something that you are supposed to give God. There's no question about that. Now offerings, on the other hand, offerings are something that's <clears throat> really between you and God. What to give. Sometimes you just have a desire in your heart to do certain things. You know, we talked about the fact that, you know, you have a, say you've got, there's a guest speaker coming, special project coming up, you want to give X amount of dollars to that project, but you don't have it in the budget. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, if you'll give it to me, I'll give it to that project. You know, one of the little cute little things that I have uh, failed to mention at times, I'm not saying it's cute, but when you're asking God for money for a particular thing, ask him for enough to cover the tithe. Because if you ask for him for $200, and he gives you $200, 20 of it already belongs back to him in, in tithes, so you're 20 bucks short. So just start off with 225 okay? You're covered that way. But when it comes to tithe and offering, it's really not um, just whether you want to or not. The amount 
is varies from household to household. The percentage varies from household to household. The only thing that's locked in stone here is the 10% tithe. But when it comes to offerings, you know, that is, that is something that's going to be between you and God, what's in your heart to do. And I'm here to tell you, somebody like me, you know, I like to know where every penny's going. I like to make the most of every dime, and I want to see it on paper. And it's been a very hard thing over the years for me to get to a place where I didn't hold on to what I had. Tithing was never an issue. Tithing has never been an issue. God's got the first 10%. God gets the first one. And when the paycheck comes in, the first check that's written on a Tuesday, and most of the time it's Monday night, but the first check that's written is God's. And you know, you think, well, that's crazy. I can just wait till Sunday to do it. No, you know what you need to do? You need to really start looking at that when, as soon as you get your hands on it. You may not be able to get here to church to, the, you know, to put it in right there, but I write it out. It goes in the back of my checkbook till I get here Sunday morning and it goes in that offering. But it's the first check that I wrote. That money's taken out of the picture altogether right then, as soon as that money comes in my hands. And that's the way we really ought to do it. And just the very act of writing that first check as God's is, is just another indication of how committed you are to, to tithing. You know, it, it sets you up for the rest of the checks that you're going to write to absolutely meet the needs that you have. But you know, over, over the, the years, I can say that, that God's had to teach me a lot about being generous and not being so stuck to my budget. You know, there's, there's times when I just think, I've got to have this, I've got to have this. But if God's dealing with me about giving a particular thing, he's telling me to give it so he can in turn bless me. And when he blesses me, then the needs are met. So what was the big deal? You know, it's just hard. I was, I was raised in a family that was, was very poor. Uh, my dad pastored when I was young. There was not money. There was no I mean, I remember a time when I was probably 10 years old, and my dad was pastoring a church in, in, uh, in Jacksonville, and there was a 7-Eleven right across the street. And after church, all, you know, everybody's running around, Daddy, Daddy, can I have a dime to go get an icy? I mean, ICs were a dime back then. You think, a dime? What's a dime? Well, a dime was a lot of money. And he looked at me and said, sweetie, I don't have it. My dad did not have a dime to give to me. And so, you know, to me, you know, it, it's, it's probably as much being a woman because we, like to, we got by the security of knowing everything's covered, everything's taken care of. But and growing up like that, you know, I wanted to hold on to, to everything. People who come out of the Depression era are usually people who really have a hard time being generous because they had to be so thrifty with everything they had during those days. You know, and so, you know, you go back to a lot of times about attitudes about money and, and our attitudes are formed and are affected by so many things, especially the way we're brought up. And, uh, and so, for me, you know, be, learning to be generous and learning to obey God when he said give, you know, was a tough lesson to learn. And, and I did better and better and better over the years with it until now, you know, it's it's not, it's, it's pretty simple, you know, just to give it and go, okay, well, I needed it for something else, but hey, you know, Lord, if you're telling me to give it, fine, I'll give it, and the money will come to cover whatever else there is, you know, coming down the road, but uh, with tithes and, and offer, with offerings, you know, Doug and I were talking about uh, the building fund and different things, you know, if you make a commitment to do that in your heart, and you stick to it, just like tithing, God will meet the needs, whatever they are. And this is where I wanted, had asked Leslie if she would share something. Would you do that? 
Come on. Bring your Bible. I don't care. Well, I want you to talk about what well, you told me that about uh, the economy, the downturn in your business and, and y'all's commitment to, to building fun in your missions and stuff. Okay. Um, okay. Um, closer. Right, right back, Jen. Okay. Um, uh, I guess most of you probably realize that, you know, I'm a real estate agent and um, about oh, I'd say probably at least a year ago, um, last August, um, the uh, real estate market just took a, just a dive. And um, for Mark and I, um, you know, we were very uh, used to having my income. So we were a two-income family. And basically from, say, July on until probably February of this year, I basically was laid off, if you want to say, if you want to, you know, use that term. I mean, I absolutely had no income coming in from real estate. And so um, when that happened, um, you know, when I realized March, okay, there's not going to be any closings, okay, September, October, and as the time went on, you know, we had to really start looking at our budget because we were used to having two incomes. And, um, so we did a lot of the natural things. <laughs> Thanks. And um, um, can't hold that with hand. Um, anyway, we did a lot of the natural things like Pastor Angela said. You know, we looked at our budget, looked at everything that we had, you know, going out. And uh, really a lot of things we just couldn't change because, you know, with my business, I still had expenses even though I didn't have any income. And um, so, you know, we looked at our tithes and offerings. And, of course, tithe, we didn't even bother. You know, that was so far down because I didn't have any income. But anyway, um, we looked at, you know, our missions and our um, building fund. And, um, you know, we had this, you know, you know how it is when things get tight. You say, okay, now, you know, what can I cut out? And, you know, I told Mark, I said, do we need to, you know, look at that? And he said, no, we don't need to look at it because God's not told us to change anything on that. And there's a scripture that I want to... Um, Tell me where it is. It should be... It's in um, Proverbs. I've got it right there. Okay. Um, it, in Proverbs fourteen twelve, it says, There is a way which seems right to man and appears straight before him, but at the end of it is the way of death. And, um, you know, that scripture came to me because in my mind, you know, we wanted to, you know think of all the natural things we could do but you know when you have something like that for me it was really a job loss and you know it, it can be a catastrophe for for people financially when they go through that um but you know over in mark five it says don't fear don't be seized with fear but just keep believing and you know we you know had to come together and look yes at all the natural things that we could do to to cut out you know skip back on this cut back on that and we did a lot of that. But when it came to our giving, we never, we prayed about it and, you know, and said, what is it that we need to be doing? And that was not something that God told us to do. And we knew that if we continued to be faithful and just give what God had, we had committed to give, because we had committed to give a certain amount to the building fund, because we were talking about building fund a while ago. And um, 
you know, that's something that God's put in our heart. And it's not something that, that we are going to change unless God tells us to change it. Um, you know, he put that figure in our, um, you know, in our hearts whenever we, you know, came to that place to, to give that, the amount that we give. And yes, it was based on a two income family, but you know, it, it, that part may have changed, but what God put in our heart didn't change. And, um, one thing, you know, when something like that happens, you know, you need to go to God and pray about it and say, what is it that I need to do? You know, don't start looking at, you need to look in the natural, but first off, you need to look in, in, you know, spiritual and get some spiritual direction because, you know, God directed me in doing other things that, that I'd never even done before. And, um, you know, at first I thought, well, in the natural, I need to go out and get another job. And I prayed about that. Mark and I both prayed about that. And, and we both did not have a peace to do that. So, I mean, you know, in the, you know, it goes back to that scripture. It says, you know, it may seem right in your mind, but that may not be what God wants you to do. And it's really important that, you know, when you get attacked financially, um, you know, then your uh, finances get shortened or you begin to experience some lack, go to God first. And then also... I went to Pastor Angela and talked to her about it because, um, you know, it. I really wasn't sure about some things. And so it's real important when you have, it's like Pastor said, you know, um, when you've got situations that come up, use people who have wisdom. I mean, you know, I've, I've watched Pastor Angela handle finances for 20-something years. She's got wisdom in finances. And so, you know, I went to her and talked to her about our situation and what was going on. And she gave me a lot of good advice. And um, so, you know, I, I think that's just, you know, really important. Don't be so proudful that you, you know, you cut off, you know, the, the wisdom that God has for you. And then something else that you didn't ask me to say, but I'm going to say if it's okay. Um, one thing is during that time, keep sewing. You got to keep sewing. It doesn't matter if you don't if your your finances are tight. You can sew in a lot of different ways, and uh, you know, pray and ask God, what is it that I can do? I can do something, something. You know, I can sew into people's lives. I can, you know, I can give of uh, clothes. I know I sewed a lot of clothes. I sewed anything I could get my hand on. I sewed. Um, you know. That makes a big difference. One, because it keeps the channel of blessings open to you, but it also makes you feel like a blessing, you know, because you you are being a blessing to somebody else. And, you know, that's one thing that the enemy, you know, wants to try to get you to think about, you know, when, you, when your finances get uh, tight and you're experiencing lack, he wants you to feel like that you, you know, aren't accomplishing anything. You aren't doing anything. You, you know, you don't, you don't have anything. And... Don't let yourself think, I don't have, or I don't know what to do. Because the word says that you, you know, you have the Holy Spirit and he guides you and directs you in all truth. And then the last thing that I want to say (laughs) (laughs) that just really saved Mark and I from many, many times of discouragement is staying in church. Um, When you're experiencing anything, sickness in your body, lack in your finances, whatever, it's so important that you're in church because so many times, and um, I can, um, you know, t- say other people told me the same thing, that, you know, there were different services that just, I mean, God specifically ministered to me. And it was exactly what we needed to keep us moving in, this, in the right direction. If we hadn't been there, 
I don't know what would have happened the next day. I don't know if I'd have had this, the strength to go on the next day. I mean, it is so important that you are in a place where the Word and the Spirit can minister to you. Yes, it's important to, to do everything in the natural, but you more than that, you have to stay spiritually connected because, um, you know, I mean, if you're under attack and you, you know, you're experiencing sickness, lack, whatever it is, um, you need that lifeline. And, um, you know, I just thank God that, you know, that we have that here and we're taught the word and, and, um, you know, Amen. so anyway, that's, that answer that, that answers it. Now, what I, I don't want you to do is I don't want you to get to a place that you're giving beyond your faith level. Now, there are people who will give because they hear that testimony. What you need to do is go to the Lord. Just like she said, go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do I need to do? Maybe there's been financial reversals in your house for one reason or another. Maybe it's because of the economy. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe there's other things that have come up. But go to the Lord and say, now, Lord, give me some wisdom here. What would you have me to do? And then recognize where your faith can carry you. You know, it's better to give $10 knowing that, Yes, I can sow that, and I can believe God for return on it. Then to go in and say, give $100, go hoping you'll get a return on it. Make sure you know where your faith level is and follow it. You know, I, you know, even in health issues, I see people who want to believe God for cancer to go away when they can't believe God for a cold. You know, for, for me, I mean, personally, I can tell you that there have been times in my life where I could believe God for a completely successful surgery and recovery, but I could not get myself to a place where I could believe God for that, that problem to be gone without the surgical help. You know, so in finances, do the same thing. You find out where you can believe God God, where you know without a shadow of a doubt, I can give this much in offerings, and I know that I, I'm, 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 I know exactly that this is where I can put my faith. I've had people over the years come to me and say, "Listen, you know, th- we're just stretched too thin. I, I, I just, I'm just not. I'm not. I can't do this. I just, my faith level's just not there." And I'll say, "Fine, then cut back to where you are." You know, I have sat in with in my office with people and said cut it back. If you can't, if you can't give it and believe God, you know, and know that you can rest at night knowing that God is going to supply your needs, then cut it back to a place that you can be comfortable. The whole point of this whole thing about money management is to give you some natural insight into some areas that we can naturally handle our money, but at the same time, you have to take the knowledge you gain from this, and you have to ask for God's wisdom on these things and how to apply it in your situation. And so really, I have to go back to this sheet that we gave you last week you know, on these percentage guidelines and things where you're actually finding out, you know, what you're going to be, how you're going to be able to find out what your net spendable income is. And I would have to go back to that line that says tithe and add tithe and offering and subtract that from your gross along with your tax liability and then base everything else off of that net amount, okay? But, um, you know, you can't, you can't outgive God, but you can outgive your faith. I've seen people give themselves into the poorhouse. They gave and they gave and they gave. A young man that we know that's in the ministry up in Wisconsin, you know, he got around uh, in, a, in a convention where everything was so hyped and so hyped, he gave away all of his suits. He didn't do it because God told him to. He got caught up in the moment. He didn't stop and ask God for any wisdom on it. He did it, and he was without decent clothes to pastor in for I don't know how long. 
You know, that's dumb. Do not get caught up in that. You know, if it, I, there's not that many people around here who watch Christian TV. Praise God. There's, there's more nonsense on it than there is good. And there is so much out there right now that's on money. Money, 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 money. And I'm telling you, I have a real, a real issue with some of the preachers who, who talk about money all of the time. There's more to this life than money. And there's more things that people need ministering to besides money. But if you get caught up in that trap, you'll get caught up in something that God does not want you involved in. You'll get caught up in a lot of hype that's not wisdom. You, you know, your faith is not going to tell you where, take you where the hype is. It's going to take you where the wisdom is. You know, it's going to take you where God has you going. So make a place for offerings in your budget. Don't just say, well, I can't. Yes, you can. You can do without a, a Coke or two during the week. And the way they cost these days, that's yeah, it's five bucks. We'll start with five bucks. Doug is a prime example of what you can do at the building fund. I mean, he started a certain place, and every quarter he adds $5 to it. What's $5? You've gotten used to, to this amount. What's five more dollars? And so he, he's up to like 105 bucks. New quarter, Doug. <laughs> you already knew that. I knew you did. <laughs> you know... And you're excited about it. Well, that's, that's great. Now, for, for us personally, you know, over the last few years, we have given a tremendous amount of money to the building fund. And we've moved into a new house, and we've gotten different vehicles, and there's just different things that have gone in. Do you think I couldn't use that money for something? Sure, I could. But it's in my heart. This is the amount of money God's going to get for this building fund every single year. And I'll check it before the year's out to make sure I'm there. You know, that we haven't, we haven't failed to meet, to meet that particular goal. And uh, you, you need to do the same thing. You know, if, and Leslie's right. If you do not keep sowing, there's no way you're going to keep reaping. And so you have to make a place for it. One of the things that I notice about, about finances, just as, just as any, in anything else, when you're under attack, unless you determine in your heart to give somehow, some way, and get your attention and your focus off yourself and your problems, there won't be an end to your problems. You have to look outside yourself. And it's true in every area of your life where you struggle. If you do not find a way to turn that around and, and give out, you will never receive what God has for you to meet that need. So does that answer everybody's questions about where offerings go? Amen. Now then, last week, one of the sheets that we gave you was an income allocation sheet. This is after you've gone through your percentage budget guidelines. This is after you have gone through and analyzed your budget, you know, to see what you're currently spending, what you should be spending according to the budget guidelines, the percentages, and then to find out what the differences are and then make the adjustments that you can live within those guidelines. And we gave you one, it's called income allocation sheet, and that's for you to take your paycheck whatever it is, whether it's once a week, every two weeks, or what, whatever, and then you just make yourself a list of which bills are going to get paid out of what paycheck period. What, did you realize that there's some of you have maybe a larger mortgage payment and you want to pay, take out of one paycheck? There's nothing wrong with allocating it over more than one pay period. I do that. On our mortgage payment, there's a little bit of that mortgage payment comes out of every single week's pay, and I set it aside. Now, how do you do that? You should ask. I'm going to give you a sheet tonight 
that it says savings account allocations, but you, the same principle will, it would apply. So here, Doug, I'll let you have some of these. Oh, let me have one. Keep one. The same principle would apply here. And when you, once you get it, we'll look at it. You can do this on your computer. When you get it, you can look at it. You can do it on a computer in a spreadsheet. You can do it for savings, or you can do it for a checking account. Either one. I do it with my personal bank book, you know, my checkbook. All, every, every single week, all the little things that I've allocated out that's going to be spent before the end of the month, I sub that little, that little thing out, you know, and I've got my little list here. I initial everything so I know exactly what's coming out and uh, take that much money out of my balance over here so that I do not touch it. It's very, very convenient. But you can do this with a savings account. Anything you're going to be spending in that same month, you don't want to take and put it into a savings account. But there are some things, if you'll look on here, that we've got listed. These are just examples. You can take make your own spreadsheet for things that are coming up over the course of a year. And like, say, your auto insurance comes up once a year or every six months. Um, Christmas, we know it all comes once a year, but it seems like it's more than that, doesn't it? Well, if you start planning ahead for it, you can make yourself a, just make yourself a budget. What am I going to spend on Christmas this year? You can start setting that much money aside every single month in a savings account and using a sheet that looks similar to this. I'm going to let them pass out this other one as well. It's called a variable expense planning. There are things that come along that you don't pay very often, and you need to account for them ahead of time. Don't wait till November and think, how am I going to pay for Christmas? You should not be paying for Christmas still when Christmas is over, unless the money's sitting there and just the, maybe the credit card bill hasn't come in yet. But don't get yourself in a place. Don't get caught up in the trap where you overspend at Christmas and you're, and you're paying for it still four, five, six months later. Do not do that. It is not wisdom. Every year I try to set aside just, you know, okay, this is what we're going to spend this year on Christmas. Now, sales means I can do a lot better with that amount of money, you know, than going out and paying full price. Remember, we don't pay full price. Basic rule of thumb, we do not pay full price. God will send you on sales runs. You know, go over there. Go look over there. Uh, Kendra had told I need a new pair of navy, navy blue pants. Hadn't been able to find anything I liked. Kendra told me about a big old sale at Belk this last weekend. I thought, that's ah, probably over. But Monday I was in Gainesville. So I just ran into Belk's real quick. And I was not going to even go upstairs. That's where the petite department is. I wasn't going to go up there. And something just kept saying, you need to go upstairs. And I went, I don't want to. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. <sighs> I don't have time to go looking for all this stuff. So I finally went, I was out the door and turned right around and came back in, went up the stairs, walked up to this rack, picked up a pair of pants and went, 
Thank you, Lord. Navy blue, my size, $5.49. They had started out at 36. You know, listen to the Holy Ghost. He's a bargain shopper. He wants you to make, he wants you to look good at a good price. I don't mean something that looks tacky. I mean something that looks good at a good price. But anyway, you see this sheet, this variable expense planning? Just take this, and this is just an example you can take home of things that may come up over the course of a year, maybe something you pay bi-yearly. You can take it, and you can figure out what those expenses are or what you plan. Make, make a, you know, a set amount you're going to spend on Christmas, for instance, or birthday gifts, that kind of stuff. And then figure it out what you need to set aside every single month to reach that goal. Okay? Those are just examples of things that you can, you can do. Your savings account allocation. You know, savings accounts these days pay almost nothing. But there are some. If you do not need that money just real often, there's a couple of places that you can go to set up a, an account that's, that's really great. Uh, ING and Charles Schwab both have accounts that you can use that are money market accounts. And I think Charles Schwab is not, you know, it's not a huge minimum amount you have to put in there. And they're currently paying like 3.5% APY on that money. It's a good place to park some money. Regular savings account, your bank is paying nothing right now. So, I mean, they, the reason they can do that is because they do not have branches and things, stuff you'll have to either mail online or transfer online or mail it in, you know, whatever, uh, to these places. But um, so there, there are two good places that you could park some money that be sit there growing, you know, while you're putting all this stuff there. If it's money that you don't need, you know, for monthly expenses, it's a good place to park these kind of things. But anyway, allocate it. Just have yourself a running sheet. Make yourself a spreadsheet of when you put money in and what category it's going to fall under. So you always know where you're at. Where am I at? What do I have left saved up for Christmas? What do I have saved up for vacation? What do I have saved up to pay my taxes? You know, we, we pay taxes quarterly, you know, or at least I do around here on some things. And so, you know... Auto insurance comes up once a year. Maybe yours is every six months. You ought to be setting that money aside monthly. Even here at the church, you know, there's some bills that come bi-monthly, and yet I break them down so there's a set amount coming out every single month to pay those bills. Uh, I know exactly what they are. And um, when they're set like that, it's really easy to do. When it's a varying kind of a thing, you may not know. Medical expenses are something you may not know, but have some money set aside. You never know. You might have to have you know, something done that you didn't know about. Um, I think the big thing around here lately has been people having a lot of colonoscopies, which, you know, is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> you know, have had so many of them. But, you know, they cost, they're, they're fairly expensive. And so even if you have insurance, you've got a deductible to have to meet or a copay. You know, there t you need to have some money sitting aside so that you can cover those kind of things. But use this for your savings fund. If you uh, can do that and make sure that all these things are covered so that when that bill comes in, maybe once a year or Christmas comes up, you've got money to take care of it. The biggest thing we can do is, at Christmas that's wrong is listen to all the commercials and look at all the sale papers. You know, your eyes get bigger than your wallet. Figure out what you want to spend ahead of time and then, you know, ask the Lord to lead you. I mean, we do not put enough of demand on the Holy Ghost as we should for these kind of things. You know, he can give you the wisdom to go find the right thing for a great price and you make so much more out of it than what you would have ordinarily to so do that. But if you want to do this for your checking account, 
things that have to get paid every week or every month, you know, just set it aside. You can subtract it off of your, off of, on, on one line of your bank book. This money is going to go toward the, this month's mortgage, you know, and add to it every single week. And it's, I'll sit down and show you what I'm talking about if you, don't, if you don't understand what I'm talking about. But don't try necessarily to pay huge things like your mortgage out of one pay period. Spread it out. You know, you can, I spread out my electric bill over two. The mortgage is over four. Um, some other things are over two or three different things. You know, then there are things that you can pay all in, in full that come out at, in just down one pay period. But, you know, sometimes putting together um, the way you spend it and how you, you allocate it from week to week, you know, it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, but it'll all fit together at the end of the month. That money is sitting there at the end of the month you know, when you got it there, write out your mortgage, send it off. It's a good thing. So anyway, if, you, if I'm a little confusing on that, let me know. We'll help you out here. But you need to plan for these things. Don't just think that they're not going to, to happen. Insurance happens. You know, automobile, you know, maintenance things happen you know, that you want to, to take care of. Doctor bills, sometimes, you know, something unusual comes up or a dentist, you know, and even though you've got insurance, there are still deductibles, there are still co-pays, you know, that kind of thing. It's just nice to have a little cushion somewhere that you can, can reach into to pay for them should they come up. Um, make a place for some investments. If you're young, you definitely need to be starting to put something into it, like an IRA. You need to, to be putting something aside for savings. Remember I told you, uh, I think it was first week, that the rule of thumb is is that you really ought to be look at, working toward being able to have enough in savings to cover, I think it's two months of your salary just in case something should happen. How many of you have, maybe at work, or maybe you've taken out disability insurance? Anybody? That's a real blessing. If, you should, if something should happen, you should have to be off work for six weeks. How many people in here have got enough time, paid time off, you could take six weeks off from work? You know, if you were maybe to have a, something happen. You, well, Tammy does. Good. You know, but, but most people don't. Disability insurance is a wonderful thing, you know, if, you've, if you can afford to do that. But if you can't, then have some savings set aside to cover any eventuality. If it never comes up, great. You have a wonderful savings program that you can, you can draw on for other things. But let's see. How many, has anybody in here used the envelope system? I know Larry Burkett and um, Dave Ramsey both promote an envelope system where if you break down your weekly budget into different things like clothes, uh, groceries, this kind of stuff, you use an envelope for each one of those categories, put the money in there. When you go to the store, what's in that envelope is what you spend, and that's all you spend. When it's empty, it's empty. Uh, my son and daughter-in-law actually did that when they were, they were younger. I don't know if they still do this or not, but Christy, you know, she knew she had this much amount of money for clothes, and, and it was all hers to spend. Hallelujah. So she would let it build up, and then she'd go splurge and run it all out. It's great. That way there's no problems. If there's one problem that can cause a marriage to go south, it's money. When two people are not on the same page when it comes to money. And because people are raised differently, they have different attitudes about money, and you need to get on the same page with the spouse. And once again, I don't understand people who are married and who do not put their money together. It's our money, not your money, my money. It's our money. It's our bills, you know, and we pay them. 
not you pay this and you pay this. We pay them. So you need to get on the same page where a budget's concerned. Everybody sit down. If you're married and make sure that everybody's agreed on this is how we're spending this money. In the, the food area, Christy Isom can give you a menu plan for a family of six for one month at about 550 bucks. Now, I think that's pretty good. She feeds, and two of them are boys that can eat, probably, right? Now, I know Greg doesn't. <laughs> ah, oh, the days of teenage boys. <laughs> but she's got a menu. See, we talked about when we talked about food. Go to the store with the menu in your hand. Don't go hungry. Don't let the kids and the husbands influence what you buy. You know, this is what we're eating. Usually if they don't have to cook it, you know, it's not that big a deal. You know, at, at my house, I used to say, what would you like? And he'd say, I don't care. And I'm thinking, I would say, great, we're fasting. <laughs> never went over. It never worked. <laughs> but he, he learned over the years, if I put it on the table, he'd best not complain about it. You know, especially if I asked ahead of time, what would you like? And I got no answer. You know, but, uh, but yeah, Christy's got a great menu plan for you. I mean, she can help you just kind of show you the ropes on that. She and, and Amy both are really great coupon people. They can help you out with that. See, the thing about money is you need to go to people who are good in areas and find out what they know. Pick their brains. Get as much information as you possibly can. Find people who know what they're doing, you know, who actually have proven this out and ask them what they do and use it. Um, let me see, I was covering quite a few things tonight before I got to one of the big issues here. Now, you should all have bank accounts. I know people don't sometimes, but really a bank account is a good way for you to manage your money. People usually have cash in their pockets all the time. Usually a lot of cash gets wasted and they don't have as much as they should. You know, there should be just X amount of dollars taken out in cash for you to be able to just tool around and pick up these little things here and there without having to write checks, use all this kind of stuff. But it shouldn't be everything, okay? Um, usually people who operate on cash only, to me it's an indication that they don't know how to manage what they have. So a bank account's a good thing, and if you don't know how to manage a bank account, you don't know how to manage money, period, because a bank account is a simple thing to do and and it's incumbent upon us to figure out what it is and do it when it make sure that you're, you're keeping a running balance all the time don't go for for days and weeks you know with it, not a balance written in your check but you don't know where you are there are people who do that I, I've been amazed over the years the times I've taught this class when people come to me later and they fess up about some things you know they've never reconciled their bank books they've never reconciled their bank statements and I'm going why it's too hard no it's not how else will you know what what's what's in there how will you know the bank didn't make a mistake I catch the banking mistakes on a fairly regular basis you know, when there are times I go, I mean, especially here at the church, I go to them, get them on the phone and say, listen, you owe me a penny. This is not right. It better match what I've got. Because if it's their penny, I'm going to give it back to them. And there have been times when it was 60 cents off. I'm going, it's not my 60 cents, it's yours. Take that off. Because I expect them to give it to me when, it's, when it belongs here. So you need to do that. You need to make sure every month that you balance those, those bank statements as soon as they come in. Now, does anybody not understand that what your checkbook balance 
says, and if you were to go to the bank today and say, what is my balance, that the two will almost never be the same. Does everybody know that? Does everybody? You'd be surprised. I'm telling you, you'd be surprised. Okay, then we won't go there. All right. Oh, gracious. It is like, I only got six minutes, and I don't want to get started on the next one, which is credit cards. Mm, mm. Is that a yay we're not going to get started? (laughs) Credit cards are not necessarily a bad thing. You can use credit cards to your advantage, but we won't go there tonight, okay? Um, Any questions? Any testimonies? Okay, Danny. That's amazing. Did anybody not hear that? Uh, Danny said that they sat down with those sheets from last week, if I've got this right, and they started looking, and they find out where they have just been kind of frittering away $1,400 a month. That's a lot of money. Just wasted money that's not being put into a good place that can, that can be beneficial to you. You know, that $1,400 could be put into an IRA. That $1,400 could be put into some kind of investment. It could be put into a savings account, or it could be put into the gospel. You know, that's where you let God guide you, give you wisdom on, okay, now I've identified where I've got this extra money that I don't have to be wasting in this particular way, so now what do I do with it, Lord? You know, that's it. Anytime you get surplus money in your hands, you ought to always, instead of just going out and say, oh, I can go buy myself this, Say, no, now let's just hold on to this. Now, Lord, what would be a good thing to do with this? Sometimes they'll just say, oh, go have a good time with it. Seriously, go enjoy yourself. You know, you've been good. It's kind of like, you know, cheating on a diet sometimes. You know, there are times when you just got to go have a piece of chocolate cake. Well, you know, there are times when God knows, he knows you've been really good, you've been really diligent, and he'll say, go have a good time on some of that money. Great. He's telling you to invest it in you. Wonderful. But if he tells you to invest it in the gospel, that's great. I mean, there's, there's a return coming on that. If he, he tells you to invest it in savings or an investment or an IRA, it's still beneficial for you. Don't waste the resources God's given you. Greg, stay it loud.
Exactly. Well, give me double then. <laughs> That's, that is a really key thing when you're dealing with banks is you make sure that you check your deposit slip once you make a deposit to make sure it's accurate. And you keep it until the, the bank statement comes in and match it to your bank statement. The banks make mistakes. They're not usually as big as that, but they do make mistakes. I know that I've gotten in the habit of when I make a bank deposit for the church, I sit before I leave that drive through I look at that deposit slip to make sure it's exactly what it's supposed to be. And do you know there's a lot of times, you know, it's, it's a little different than it ought to be. There are a few cents here and there. You know, one time it was $100, and it took me forever to convince them that it was their $100, not mine. You know, I'm trying to give you money, people. It's not my money. But, you know, this is, this is something that you need to do. Part of being a good money manager is being a good record keeper and keeping up with what you've got, keeping receipts, matching them up. You think, this credit card receipt is no big deal. Yes, it is. When I go and make a return on a credit card, I, I want the original and I want the credit receipt right here because I had a time when um, something uh, to like Kmart was $14.87 and they posted it as $148.70. Well, I had a receipt, you know, so we, we cleared that up. I mean, make sure you check it all the time. Make sure everything that you get, every receipt you've got matches where it's supposed to be. If it's a credit card statement, if it's a bank statement, you know, whatever, make sure it matches. And it's in, you don't wait to do it. Do it as soon as those things come in. In fact, is if you get, however often you get paid, you need to make sure you're sitting down that often, whether it's once a week or every two weeks, and going over everything and making sure you are up to date on where you are with your finances and what you owe to that particular point. When I pay a credit card bill, I never pay them what's on the statement. I always pay them what I know I owe them right to that particular moment. You know, that way when I send that off, I'm, at, I'm starting at zero. They don't know I'm starting at zero, but I'm starting at zero because I have paid them everything I owe them even though it's not posted yet. And it's, maybe it's posted on their account, but it's not past the drop date on that account. I've paid them up to, to the moment I mail that check. We're at zero as far as I'm concerned. Do that here at the church as well. You know, at the end of the year, end of the year comes, every dime this church owes to anybody is paid. Not one penny is owed to anybody. We start the year off with a zero balance everywhere. And that's what you should do with your credit card statements every month. If you, I'm going to get into credit cards if I'm not careful. We'll do that next week. Okay. Anybody else? Question, Brad. Mm -hmm. Are they insured like a bank or credit a union would be? Uh, Charles Schwab is. In fact, it's better than, than what uh, you get at the bank. You can put a bank uh, has, I think, he's been banking around here. A bank will insure up to $100,000 in an account. It's like a Charles Schwab account goes higher than that. So they're just insuring it themselves. Yeah. Not yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a good place to park some money if you really want to make some, some interest on something, but you want it totally liquid. It's their, it's their money market account. Anybody, who else was over here? Come here. That's all right. Okay. Um, uh, in, like, October of last year, I was getting ready to go on maternity leave and everything, and... Um, 
God really put it in our hearts to start giving to the building fund and the missions. And I was like, well, I'm about to not have a job and it's just going to be one income. But we went ahead and decided to do it anyways. And God's really blessed us. All of our needs are met. And now we both have way better jobs. And so we can start giving more money to missions and building fund and stuff like that. So Amen. if God puts that on your heart, do it. <laughs> Amen. There's no better testimony than somebody who's put it to work, you know, and, and seeing God. Bob, I think you had your hand up. How long would you hold on to receipts, you know, just as a matter of record? Until I could verify. Now, like, if I've got a gas receipt, you know, I've, the gas has come, the gas has gone, I matched it up, I can throw it away. But when it comes to tangible things, I, keep, I will keep a receipt, you know, say like I've bought um, um, like a, a lawn piece of lawn equipment, you know, like a new leaf blower or something. I'll keep that receipt for a year. Now, one of those other things about credit cards, you know, is, is certain credit cards will give you double what the manufacturer's warranty is, but you have to have the receipt, the original receipt. So there are, look at what the thing is, and if it's something that's going to profit you to hang on to, especially if it's a warranted type item, you need to hang on to that receipt. Find a place and file it. You know, have some good files. Know where you can find these things. Attach it maybe to the uh, instruction book or the, the manual that comes with that item. Attach the receipt to that so you always know where it is. You don't have to go searching. You know, but uh, I, keep, I keep credit card statements, you know, for a long time. I go back and I can look up something real quick. Diane. You can. You, you can just contact them online. They'll tell you where the nearest office is. If you, I think you can do some of that online. Actually apply to open it up. Uh, I'm not sure I actually helped my mom open one of those up in Jacksonville, but we were actually in one of their offices to do that. But because they don't have branches and buildings and real estate that they've got invested in, in this industry, they can afford to pay more than a bank can. So that's how that works. But you can transfer it, you know, online, you know, from your bank account to them or mail it to them, either one. So it works real well. Who else? your electricity bill. How long? I keep mine for a year so that I can compare it from like an August to August. Do you really need to keep them longer than that? Unless there's some reason personally for you to have to keep them, no, probably not. For us, because we have a housing allowance, I have receipts. You wouldn't believe the receipts that I have. You know, and I could probably go, go throw some of them away, you know. But technically, receipts that you have, if, if there's a receipt that you have anything to do with your taxes, I believe it's three years that you have to go back to keep those. And sometimes some people say it's safer to keep them seven just in case you get audited. It's amazing that around here we've had um, four, five, maybe more people get audited by the IRS in the last in the last four years, and I suspect it's because, you know, percentage of income, you know, and, and kind of giving people due has red flagged several people. We were one of those people. Kendra was one. Uh, Brad was one. I think there was two or three more. Dan was one. Uh, I know there was another couple that I, I'm thinking of, but uh, it's good to get a letter from the IRS on those cases. You, it's easy to prove, you know, that you gave that much money and you know, I think, Leslie, didn't you tell me when you went this year to get your taxes done, your accountant looked at you and said, hey, did you know that your giving is like way up here still, but your income is way down here? She's going, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, people don't understand it. And you know, when it's hard to explain God's way of doing things, but at the end of the year, everything matches. You know, 
you don't owe anybody. It's, it's, it's been covered. But how it happened, it's a mystery. And it's one of those divine mysteries that we just really like. So anyway, next week we're going to talk about credit cards. So be prepared to cut some plastic next week. All right. All right, if you have any other questions. And if you would do me a favor next week, if you have any particular questions or something that you would like us to cover real quick next week, maybe the last week we do this, I'm not an expert, but I'm just hitting the highlights. I'm going to give you some resources and some, some places you can go for some more information. It's incumbent, just like you sit in a service, you know, and you hear the word taught, you're expected to go home, research that out for yourself, and know it for yourself. I'm going to give you some resources to go and for you to get further, look further into the, into the money management areas and things you can do with your money on your own. But if you've got some questions we can, we can touch on next week, would you write them down and bring them with you next week? And uh, we can look at them real quick and we can answer some things, you know, real quick on that. So if you need any of those sheets, let me know. Oh, before you go... This is one thing I do want you to take with you. Here, guys, pass these out. We want to talk about debts next week. We're talking about consumer debts and not just credit cards, but car loans, any other kind of loans. So this is a good thing for you to list all those debts on. It'll also give you a place to list the um, amount you still owe on it as well as the interest rate. And we're going to talk next week about something called snowballing to get rid of debt. You know, when you, when you hear a preacher who uh, talks to you about, de- I've, got this, I've got the anointing for debt cancellation, run the other way. There is no such thing. Uh, if you'd like to, you can. I know it's fairly private. Um, you know, those kind of things. Let me read you something real quick before I let you go. I know I'm just a couple of minutes late, but let me read this to you. Listen, listen to this, ladies this lady's story. Uh, At the end of a tumultuous marriage, Mary Ann Moore found herself almost a million dollars in debt. My house was in the red for more than three times its value, but I wanted to keep it for my children's sake. Every time I opened the mailbox, there were more bills. My wages were being garnished and there was no end in sight. For the next two years, she worked at paying down what she could and living off the little that was left over. Then on December the 24th, 2000, Mariana gave her life to Jesus. Slowly, I started to believe that God could show me a way out. I began reading every library book I could about money and asking for help. I started owning the debt instead of it owning me. As she paid toward her debt each month, God moved supernaturally on her behalf. Several debtors forgave bills completely, and her house tripled in value. By October 2005, I sold my house, paid off the remaining debt, and bought my current house. I found out that when you do your part in the natural, God is faithful to deliver you. If you're in a place when you're in over your head, there's help. You know, this is part of the help. But just like tonight's testimonies and and this particular lady, God will do his part when we do ours. But don't let somebody tell you they've got an anointing for debt cancellation. It's no such thing. You know, it's going to take a combination of your putting your flesh under and doing what God tells you to do to get you out of that. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.